Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Welcome to another episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I'm your host, Dr. Barry Barry, your favorite board-certified internist. Founder of DrBarryPierre.com, as well as the CEO of Pierre Medical Consulting, helping you empower yourself with better health with the number one podcast of patient advocacy, affirmation, and education. This week, we bring you episode 162, where I ask and hopefully answer the question, should you wait for the quote-unquote second wave of participants to get the vaccine? This is a statement that I've heard a lot. Over the past probably like two weeks, especially since uh, those two drug companies, which we will not name because they are not sponsors, um, announced their results, announced their um, you know dealings of wanting to at least release these vaccines out this year. So like always, remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review, especially if you're my Apple podcast user or if you're my Spotify user, leave us a five-star review and comment. Tell 10 friends uh, to listen uh, to the episode and subscribe as well. All right, let's get ready for another amazing episode here on the lunch and learn with dr barry this podcast is sponsored by the lunch and learn community merchandise store living out the motto empower yourself for better health at the store you can get your favorite t-shirts coffee mugs even wristbands and more for a limited time you can get 10 percent off your next purchase using the coupon code empower 10 that's empower 10 e-m-p-o-w-e-r 10 just go to shop.drbarrypr.com to pick up your purchase and get 10% off today. And remember, 50% of your purchases will be donated to the Five Star Scholarship Foundation, a nonprofit organization for high school students. All right, guys, and welcome back to another week where we talk about the pandemic monster, which is COVID-19. Just a quick recap. If you caught last week's episode, um, I talked about how COVID-19 was pretty much going to be here to stay, not only for 2020, but really for 2021. And um, I talked about if you happen to have caught that episode later, that my numbers were going to be outdated. Last time I talked, uh, the numbers of cases total in the United States was about 13.5, 13.6. Um, it is now 14.7, which is which tells you that we have gained over about a million cases just in this past week, which I kind of hinted that we would. Um, right now, we are at 281,000 total deaths here uh, in the United States. Um, just this past week, we actually had two back-to-back days where we had over 2,800 deaths a day uh, due to COVID-19. And unfortunately, it's not going anywhere right like as like the episode before again if you have not had a chance make sure to catch episode 161 where we talked about uh where i talked about personally how i felt that covid was going to be in our backyard for a lot longer um, than expected unfortunately and because of our actions or inactions but it is here so you know to really to buckle up and you know be prepared for 2021 not to look similar. Again, I'm not going to tell you it's going to be looking similar like it was in 2020, uh, but the numbers are definitely going to be there and probably worse. So today's episode I wanted to touch on, hopefully it's going to be a brief one. I'm not sure. We'll see. Uh, today's episode I wanted to touch on because I'm starting to hear a lot of the same type of phrasing or terminology, and I really want to 
hopefully kind of nip it in the bud, right? And really kind of draw some, hopefully some conclusion and kind of, you know, dispel some concerns that, you know, people may be having uh, as far as COVID-19, right? And this one in particular is the vaccines. So we know that in the past, you know, month or so, depending on when you listen to this, in the past month or so, we've had a couple, uh, actually, we have had three companies, uh, pharmaceutical companies come out and say, hey, our COVID vaccine is looking good. These are some certain numbers associated with our COVID vaccine. And of course, uh, the next question was, when is it coming out? And we've already started hearing, uh, you know, some rumblings that we should start getting uh, access Right. And I say we in quotation marks, and I'm going to talk about that. We should start getting access to it, you know, towards the end of this year. Like, again, like what's interesting, even our hospital, um, you know, they sent out an email uh, trying to inquire who was interested in taking the vaccine or not. So but the the statement I'm hearing a lot more frequently is that, you know, people are going to wait and wait until the second wave of people. Uh, get the vaccine. As I've heard the second. It's, it's funny that they say the second wave, but they've they essentially said that they're going to wait until the first you know collection of people get the vaccine, see if there's any symptoms, and if they don't have any symptoms, then they'll get the vaccine. So I want to talk about why that's probably not the best um, you know standard right of care, probably not the best route of treatment that I would do. Uh, I again, and I will talk about you know why I understand why they're doing it, right? I 100% understand why they're doing it, um, but it's probably not the best for it, right? So uh, first and foremost, right? So we we kind of we kind of briefly touched on this as far as you know those you know getting the vaccine, who should get the vaccine, and when they should get the vaccine. So like I said, even if the vaccine comes out next month, right, or at the end of this month, let's say I'm in December right now, so even if the vaccine comes out this month available for use, right, there is uh, there have been there's been certain groups who've already been kind of uh, isolated to say like hey you would be first dips so when I hear people especially in the general public say that they're gonna wait until the second wave of you know people getting the vaccine before they get it let me tell you that you're probably gonna be closer to the fourth or fifth wave right just to give you an idea so like how do we right especially in the medical field right like how are we kind of deciding you know who gets the vaccine who gets first uh, who gets it last right like cause that's really a question that I've, I've gotten and you know I've, I've been doing my reading right so we've had a couple different agencies a couple different uh, organizations John Hopkins Mayo uh, CDC kind of give their recommendations we had some even some independent uh, organizations kind of give their recommendations on who should be getting the vaccine and you know why does one person right because that's a more important question right why does one person rank a little bit above the rest right so this i want to i want you to go over this and i want you to write this down if you have a chance right so this is the the framework that people are typically using to kind of decide you know what i think this group of population should get a vaccine first based off these factors so number one right so number one risk criteria that they're using is that the risk of acquiring an infection is very high right so these are guess these are the population of people who have an increased chance of acquiring right getting uh, the vaccine and giving out right and spreading it to someone right like that's that's one important right like which makes the most sense right like if you're at the most at the most risk of picking up said vaccine you should be in front of the line to try to get i'm sorry if you're at the 
highest risk of getting the virus, then you should be ahead of the line as far as people who should get the vaccine. I think that all makes perfectly sense. Uh, so that was uh, criteria number one. Criteria number two is if the risk of severe morbidity and mortality is high, then those individuals also should get it, right? So if you're a person who happens to pick up the virus, the COVID-19 virus, and your risk of having severe morbidity and mortality, which again is like, you know, chronic diseases and up to and including death, right? Like if, if your risk is that high, if you happen to catch the virus, you should also be on the front of the line, right? Again, I want us to kind of think of the picture, like think about us going to the clubs, right? We're going to the club and, you know, there's, there's some, there's people, there's VIP, right? And we're trying to figure out who should be in VIP, who should be a front of the line, who should not have to wait in the back, right? So number one, we talked about the people who had their higher risk of actually getting uh, the infection. Um, number two, we talked about the people who are at a higher risk of if they get the infection, they have a more severe risk of getting uh, severely morbid or, um, you know, the mortality risk is much higher in that group. Uh, number three, uh, the risk of negative societal impact, right? So this is given to individuals uh, who have a huge function within society that if they pick up the vaccine, a lot of you know, foundations within society would crumble as well, too. So again, that, that again, just for us to kind of think about that. And number four, the risk of transmitting diseases others, right? So if you're at a risk where if you pick up the virus, your risk of passing it to not one, but 10 or 20 people is very high. And again, I'm not saying I'm not being hyperbolous when I say one, 10 or 20, because we know the biggest issue associated with COVID-19 is not just that it's it's, because people always talk about like it only affects 1%. Well, that's great and all, but the problem is, is that we get a million cases in one week, right? So like, let's think about that. If we get a million cases in just one week, that 1% is a lot of people, right? Like, would you want your mom to be the 1%? Do you want your dad to be the 1%? Do you want your child to be the 1%? Do you want your spouse to be the 1%? Of course you do not, right? So again, don't don't say the 1% thing because that, that's always sounded crazy to me, uh, first and foremost. So now think about that. So again, with just a quick little recap, like these are the four different criterias when we're talking about high risk people or people who should be at the quote unquote front of the line for the club um, for the vaccine. Um, we had number one, if your risk of acquiring or getting affected is high. Number two, the risk of having a severe uh, morbidity or mortality uh, event associated with picking up the vaccine is high. Number three, if the risk of having a negative impact on society or community in general uh, becomes affected um, if you pick up the vaccine is high, um, that's number three. And number four, uh, the risk of giving it to others, right? So so just so we can have an idea of like how we're kind of framing who gets it and who's in top of the line. So thinking about organizations, communities have talked about like as far as who gets what is they've kind of broken it down to these different phases of people within the United States, right? So phase one, guess who phase one is? Phase one is, guess what? People like meat, right? So phase one um, is the first responders, high-risk workers in healthcare facilities, as well as older 
um, individuals who kind of reside in, you know, nursing homes, ALFs, you know, very close knit areas, right? Because all of those people check off a lot of those boxes in that four phase framework. So that's that would be phase one. And again, phase one isn't happening in, in one week, right? Just to give you an idea, especially especially for my folks who are outside of, you know, the, you know, the, the risk factors, right? Or outside of the essentialness that's been diagnosed. Um, you, again, you're not going to get it for a while. So phase one, that's when that's typically occurring. So phase two, right? The second phase of giving out the vaccines, this is our critical risk workers, right? And we talked about those who are essential to, you know, kind of the functioning of society. One of the big reasons, right, are, I, I live in Florida. So one of the big reasons, and shout out to Florida for now having over a million cases, which we talked would likely happen last week on the episode as well. So um, I live in Florida. And when Florida shut down in particular, uh, one of the biggest places to shut down were the schools, right? So if the schools shut down, guess what happens? Kids have to stay home. And if kids are having to stay home, Guess what is likely to occur in instances? Guess you're right. You guessed it. Parents have to stay home. So if parents can't stay home, people have to work. So you can kind of understand how because the teachers right can't go to work because the schools closed down and vaccines running away. Because the teachers can't go to work and they're not safe to go to work, all of a sudden you can see how a parent who works in a completely different industry gets affected, right? Because if the teachers aren't there, that means that their kids aren't there. If the kids aren't there, that means the kids are at home. If the kids are at home, guess what? The parents are at home as well too. So that that is the, the critical risk workers, right? And I even, in this, I talked last time, where I included people who even work at the grocery stores, um, these these home de- like these like, like these department centers, these places that you know need to be able to function so you can function along. And if they don't, like I said, if if Home Depot closes, if the Lowe's closes, if all these other places close, guess what? Um, you can't, you can't, you can't, you know, get your wood, you can't get your supplies, you can't build your own, you can't do all of these things that you, you need to do. So think about that when we think about, you know, the critical risk workers, right? As well as there's some people who may not have fit in the phase one, right? Again, maybe they're not in the healthcare field, or maybe even that they're older, they don't, maybe they, they live alone. The phase two distribution of the vaccine would include, you know, older individuals, people, again, who are at a little bit of a higher risk, um, you know, people who, homeless homeless shelters you best believe um that because that close-knit aspect of it and the fact that they travel people in prisons jails detention centers uh and of course their staff right because again a lot of times and i talked about this last time where we talked about how you know you had jails having outbreaks nursing homes having outbreaks and the way the stories always made it seem as if covid19 just kind of you know, popped up out of nowhere and then it had an outbreak. No, no, no. One of your workers, right, who is an essential worker had to come to work. And unfortunately, they came to work with uh, the virus. So we know just from a sheer numbers game and as, from an estimation standpoint, if we included all the people in phase one and phase two and all of the people in phase one and phase two actually got the vaccine, that would be about 45 to 50 percent of the population. Let me burst your bubble right now. Not all the people in phase one and phase two are getting the vaccine. Ain't going to happen. People are already um, saying, I'm not going to take it. So you're, that's already happening. 
phase three includes your younger adults, your children, again, workers in those industries essential, right, to, you know, the functioning of the communities and those who really weren't, again, included in phase one, phase two. And then phase four is really everyone else, right? So if you had to give a kind of a a general timeline, right? A general timeline of when people are getting it. You figure, let's let's start now, right? In December, your phase one folks are going to start picking up uh, their vaccines, um, and all the way up until probably January, right? So maybe like a two month stretch uh, where phase one people are starting to get their vaccines, and then around what they're guesstimating of between. And of course, this is all a guesstimate, right? Because it's about supply, it's about demand. I think demand is going to be high, but I'm not sure if the supply is going to meet it right so you're going to february you start seeing your phase two start getting kind of pushed into the distribution phase again that's your essential workers your teachers uh your healthcare workers people working uh, nursing homes and prisons the prisoners themselves homeless people like all of those people kind of get pushed in uh to that lump of phase two i think you'll start seeing their vaccines between like february and march Right. And then April, right, is when you start seeing you get more younger, uh, you know, younger kids, uh, younger adults, again, parents um, who may not have worked in the essential, you know, uh, organizations or jobs that phase two people work in. But because the fact that their kids are now becoming vaccinated, they will also start getting vaccinated as well. And then phase four, right, is pretty much everyone else, right? So I've I've told people, I've told people, uh, especially if you're not in, you know, the field that I know I know what you're in, um, you shouldn't be expecting a vaccine till like summertime, anyways, right? The coronavirus vaccine for the general public is going to be a summertime deal, right? And and now that we know that, right? Now that we know that it's probably going to be six to seven months that you're going to have to wait, especially if you're in the general public, for your vaccine. When you say you want to wait till, you know, the second wave, what does that even mean? Like, does that mean you don't plan on getting it at all in 2021? Right. Like that's that's really the question at hand. Like and and of course, I understand. And again, I will talk about, you know, some of the issues of why people don't want to get it. Right. We, we understand, especially again, I talk to and of course, I have a lot of, you know, black friends and, you know, black patients and, you know, just people who have a really just a distrust of the medical system, rightfully so, um, who talk about, well, you know, they're not sure about the safety protocols and the safety issues associated with this vaccine. And I can tell you, right, especially from a physician um, standpoint, right, from a public health standpoint, that the safety, um, you know, numbers that we're seeing at it, you know, these two companies are, are very well, right? And the reason why, right, and again, I'm, I don't want to go too scientific on here, right? But what the, especially the two companies, again, we're not going to name them, they're not sponsored, so we're not naming them. Uh, the two companies that uh, came out with their numbers early, the reason why they're having very low side effect profiles is that the type of vaccine that they're producing, uh, let's say this, just kind of break it down. They they took the COVID-19 vaccine and they took a part of um, a virus, right? And they took a part of that virus and then they took kind of the, the DNA, almost like the blueprint of said virus and then made a vaccine based off that, right? So it's not like you're being injected uh, with COVID-19 and then you subsequently are getting antibodies. No, no, no. Like you're getting injected with the blueprint associated with COVID-19 and your body is able to make antibodies from that. And again, we're, we're seeing some promising 
interesting results as far as safety uh, protocols uh, from a result standpoint as far as the people who did not get the vaccine versus the people who did as far as um, even picking up the virus. And even if they did pick up the virus, um, the people who were more severe and, you know, more severe episodes in the hospital tend to fall on the placebo group rather than the people who actually got the vaccine, which which tells us a couple of things. It tells us that um, if you're in the group that got that vaccine, the likelihood of you picking up uh, COVID-19 dropped considerably. And if you happen to pick up uh, the vaccine and you happen to also pick up uh, the, uh, the the virus, right, which happens, which quote unquote happens a lot, right? And I'll, I'll talk about this, especially when we talk about the flu, um, that you weren't going to be as sick as your counterpart who did not pick up the vaccine. So, and because I get, and the reason why I, I wanted to stress that, because I get this a lot when people are getting the flu shot, because for some strange reason, people think that they got the flu shot, they got sick like a week or so later, and then boom, like I got the flu from the flu shot. No, you did not get the flu from the flu shot. The flu um, was already there. Um, you just happened to get antibodies from that vaccine, right, which you kind of mimicked uh, what the flu would like, but understand that you didn't get the full force of the flu, right? You got just kind of a baby dose, right? You got uh, enough for your body to have to react to it, and then you were able to get over it versus a person who may not have gotten that flu shot. If they got hit with that same type of flu, you know, they'd probably, they could end up in the hospital, right? Just to give an idea. So, you know, safety, safety, which again, I'm, I'm big on safety, right? Like, I, again, I would, again, I would, I would tell my patients if I was, any concern with this vaccine, I would tell you guys do not pick this vaccine up, right? But at least with the two companies, you know, that dropped their numbers pretty recently, because of the type of vaccine that they've created, and I'm going to put uh, a kind of a link in the show notes, kind of a graphic in the show notes, so you guys can kind of understand, um, you know, what I'm referring to as far as the type of vaccine uh, that they created. I'll put a link in the show notes, but to understand that, like, the safety protocol was always going to be good anyways, because the type of vaccine you're making doesn't typically give those side effects uh, that, you know, we would expect to see a person who, let's say if you happen to eject them with the real uh, COVID-19 virus, right? So, you know, safety issue, yes, I know is concerned there. Trust issue, I know is there is concern there. But I can tell you that, you know, that that shouldn't be the reason why you're going to wait likely the reason why you're going to wait to get this vaccine is because it ain't going to be around, right? Like I said, again, I would, the estimates I was giving you like that summertime, those were those were like good estimates. If we have supplies, you know, if, if we're able to, you know, keep up with the demand, that, that's what that was. Um, do I suspect that more people are going to be taking this COVID-19 uh, vaccine than would have taken the flu? Sure. Now, does that mean 100% of people who could get the covid vaccine are going to take it? Nope. Um, But I do suspect us to get much higher numbers than what we typically get with the flu, which I've always talked about being around 40, 45% uh, on a very good year. Right. And again, and that's really the catch 22, right? Just again, I would, you'll see like whenever I talk about the COVID-19 vaccine, I'm going to talk about the flu vaccine, right? Because of the hypocrisy associated with how we think of the flu vaccine. Right. Like if, if I told you only less than half of the people who could get the flu vaccine, get the flu vaccine, then how can you on the other side argue that the flu vaccine doesn't work? 
So I want you to think about that, right? If the flu vaccine and the way it works and the way it's based is, you know, gathering up enough antibodies uh, that when it's ready to prepare and you're ready to get the flu that is ready to fight it off. But if only less than half of the people are actually getting it, like how can how can you say that it's effective? So that, that's why it's always a you know, funny thing when people say, like, oh, the flu doesn't work or it doesn't work on me. Like, no, I'm pretty sure it works. It's just you've had a reaction that you were supposed to have and, you know, now you've shunned it forever. And I think the same thing is going to happen with COVID-19, right? You're going to have a lot of people pick up the COVID-19 vaccine and, you know, they're going to be, you know, acting a little crazy. You're going to have some people like all of a sudden think they don't need to wear a mask and think that this is going to be some, you know, sense of, you know, invincibility. And I'm here to tell you that it is not. Yes, you can still pick up COVID-19 even when you get these antibodies, right? Even when you get this vaccine that causes the antibodies. Um, the goal and the hope is that when you do, yeah, I'm sorry, I won't say when, if you do happen to pick up COVID-19 afterwards, is that it is not as severe as a person who's walking around who did not. Because we, again, like just look around, just look around on your TV. There's a lot of people who you already know are not taking this uh, vaccine. And question is, do you want to be around those people who are not uh, taking this vaccine without protecting yourself? Right. So I think the even when you get your um, vaccine next year, like I still need you to wear your mask. Right. Like like we're not going to not wear a mask just because the vaccine is out there because it's it's not 100 percent. It's not required to take it. So we know not 100 percent of people are going to do it. So I don't want you to do that. And then, you know, you pick up the virus and then you're you're coming to me saying, like, hey, I got the I got the vaccine. You told me to get the vaccine and I still got the covid. Yes, you can still get the covid. In fact, guess what? You can actually get the covid more than once. Um, I was talking to my brother and we were talking about how Nick Saban, you know, coach of Alabama, if you're a college football fan, picked up covid twice. I've taken care of patients in the hospital who have picked up COVID twice. And and that's really, again, if you ask me, hey, Dr. Barry, what's the one question you have about these vaccines is how long is this immunity going to last? We don't know that yet. Again, these vaccines are still running. Um, again, the vaccines, again, the trials uh, of the vaccine are actually still going, right? Is it, it isn't that the trials are finished. It's just that the trials are getting such great results that, and that's why they're asking for emergency use. They're saying like, hey, we're getting such great results. Like, even though we haven't completely, you know, gone over, um, gotten, you know, you know, all of our study completed, like we want to go ahead and put this out to the market now. So that's what's happening. So, and, and unfortunately, I, I read an article um, that, that talked about people who may be getting the placebo. Like, so imagine if you're a person who is in the placebo arm of, you know, this uh, vaccine trial and, and you don't you typically won't know if you're in a placebo arm. But imagine if you are in the placebo arm and you see that like, hey, this this trial that I'm in, the vaccine really works. But I, I, how do I know if I'm the one who got that? Right. You may be tempted, which I expect to happen. You may be tempted uh, to also get the vaccine uh, when you get a chance as well, too. Again, I'm not sure if there's some legal loopholes that are there where maybe they signed, you know, their right to pick up uh, a vaccine until certain completion. I'm not sure. Uh, but like I, I fully expect you're going to have some crossover of people who are in the placebo group who then cross over to the group of, yeah, I took the vaccine because they're going to be like, hey, if this vaccine is working. There's no reason for me not to take it. So long story short, should you be waiting 
for the vaccine, most of you don't have that option, right? Most of you don't have that option to wait. You're going to wait. And you're likely going to be wait until, you know, summertime. Summertime is when you're like, especially for the general, if you're in a general uh, public population, you're likely waiting until the summertime. But let's say you're not, right? Let's say you're one of my healthcare workers. Um, let's say you're one of my school teachers and you get a chance you could pick it up January, February, March. Uh, please pick it up. If you have a chance to pick up the vaccine, go ahead and get it. Uh, the safety is there. It's, I'm getting the vaccine. I'm telling you that right now. The second I get a chance to get the vaccine, I'm getting the vaccine. But only because I know the safety precautions behind it. And I'm, I'm comfortable uh, with the safety uh, protocol associated with the vaccines. And you should be too, right? If Dr. Barry is comfortable with the safety protocols, you should be as well. Because if I wasn't, I would tell you, like, oh, guys, I'd probably hold off on that. Um, but that's that's it. That's 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 my word this week um, for those who are waiting to get the vaccine. Yeah, we know you're waiting, but don't wait for no second wave. Uh, you know, don't wait for 2022 to come in before you start talking about I'm going to pick up this vaccine uh, because by that time, maybe too late. And, you know, we have a COVID-20, which I'm not I don't want to scare nobody. We do not have a COVID-20 like on the way. But, you know, Anything is possible because no one would have predicted uh, what 2020 would have looked like. So you guys be blessed. Have a great day. Like always, subscribe to the podcast. If you have not had a chance, leave us a five star review. Let me know what you think. If you have any questions, like always, you know, hit me up. Remember, my, my social media handle is Dr. Barry Pierre on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, where am I? Else? YouTube. Um, I think I'm on Snap. I like wherever there's a social media. I'm on Clubhouse as well, too. I, I haven't like said anything, but I'm on Clubhouse, too. So if you're on Clubhouse, follow me there. You guys be blessed. Have a great day. Talk to you guys next week. Thank you for coming to the end of the episode. It is your truly Dr. Barry Pierre. I want to give my undying thanks to you for your support. Just getting to the end of the episode means that you at least enjoyed today's episode. Hope you were empowered by today's episode. Please remember to share this episode with at least two people that you know that would be greatly affected if they did not listen to today's episode. And if you have not already done so, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review, especially on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave a review. Leave a review there because your support is so, 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 so valuable for what we're doing here on the Lynch Learn and everything with Pierre Michael Consulting. And if you have not done so, go ahead and join the listserv. To join the listserv, it's very easy. Just grab your phone right now. I'll pause. Join the listserv. You want to text Lunch Learn Pod. This is all going to be one word Lunch Learn Pod to 44222. And you'll be on the listserv. You'll know exactly when new episodes are coming out. You'll know about new episodes before they actually come out because I usually tell my listserv members, hey, this is what I'm working on. This is the guests that you should expect to hear for the week on. Thanks, guys. You have a blessed day, and I'm going to see you guys next week.